What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have part of the crew, my boy J.O., Jason Owens here with us to help talk about the classics here that we have today. Our motto for the Vault Classic Music Reviews is hashtag open the vault, hashtag MBTC, or nothing but the classics. We're still dealing with things a little bit with COVID-19. Some of y'all have gotten a little crazy out there. Just want to remind everybody to stay inside and stay safe, wear those masks so that we can finally get through this thing, but... Jay, things have been going out of control. We just had the 4th of July holiday, and I noticed that after Memorial Day, we had a large amount of cases rise, and I'm only wondering, depending on how smart people were with 4th of July, how bad it may get. Right. I mean, with that, like, you know, people were so anxious to be out and about and pretty much, like, you know, almost had, like, whole-grown adults with that same mentality. Like, you know, people had the spring break. Like, yeah, if I get corona, I just get corona. We were playing this. We were sitting in the house and, like, yeah. not really taking priority over it. Like, prioritizing their health you know what i mean like so yeah. i mean i understand part of his cabin fever and everything like that but you gotta understand man like it's not worth it at the end of the day as far as like you know sacrificing your health because like we're gonna that you laid up in the hospital i mean you know we talking like a hundred thirty thousand dead in like three and a half months that's just insane yeah. it's crazy man yeah hopefully y'all were smart hopefully you enjoyed for those of you who are celebrating the fourth of july holiday that you enjoyed it and uh you're here with us and will be with us here for quite a long time as we mentioned earlier this week on social media, we are with a new podcast host now with Red Circle. We thank Podbean for the opportunity and also for the platform for allowing the vault to launch. But we have moved over to Red Circle Podcasting. Looking forward to a prosperous and long-standing relationship with them. I love everything they've done so far. But nothing's changed with the streaming platforms that we had. Everything is still the same. You can still catch the vault wherever you've normally caught the vault. We're just now on a new hosting platform on Red Circle. So today, Jay, we are delving into yet another classic album. We're going to go back to 1995 and right off of the banks of the James River and to our boy D'Angelo, Michael Eugene Archer, his real name, to his debut studio album, Brown Sugar, released on July 3rd, 1995, 25 years ago, recorded between 1994 and 1995 at Battery Studios and RPM Studios in New York City was mixed also at the Hit Factory and Pookie Lab in Sacramento. Runtime of 53 minutes and 17 seconds over 10 tracks. The label EMI, which had a quite a few people on their label included, was also D'Angelo's label mate, AZ, who would put out Do or Die, which also came out in 1995. Ironically enough, the two of them would link up on a remix to lady which was one of the singles on here a remix that was produced by dj premier and featured a verse by az which also had a very memorable video though for those who were involved in it, it included uh joy joy gilliam who used to be a part of the dungeon or still a part of the dungeon family 
Faith Evans, and then also people who didn't know Erica Badu back then. That may have been the first time they saw her in a video. So yeah, that was like before. That was before you know what I'm saying about do it. That was like about two, about a year and a half, two years before her first yeah. album came out. So that yeah. was crazy. It was crazy, yeah. And the producers on here, of course, D'Angelo, the executive producer, the legendary producer, and also manager Keter Massenberg. And Keter Massenberg, who also worked with a tribe called Quest. Keter Massenberg also worked with uh, Erica Badu and Joe Profile, Chico DeBarge, the Bush Baby. So he was full into the r&b movement and definitely he is the one who was credited with the term neo soul who was looking for a movement to develop within a new soul movement or the revival of soul music within the popular music genre and this definitely was a pivotal album in that moment other producers as well are ali shaheed muhammad from a, a tribe called quest Raphael Sadiq, who co-produced the track Lady and also collaborated with d'angelo quite a bit in the later years including on his album voodoo and a pivotal player in this album is also the legendary and prolific Bob Power. Bob Power, who worked in doing production, helping to write tracks, also played some instruments, famously the guitar on a couple of these tracks. And he has worked with people like The Roots, also with a tribe called Quest, the Jungle Brothers, Erica Badu, De La Soul, India Ari. So he's a very talented, a producer, engineer, composer, arranger, performer, and now also an educator. He now works at as a professor at the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts located in New York City. 25 years ago for Brown Sugar J and 10 tracks on this album. And for those who know, this was really the first time that we got to see D'Angelo inside of the public sphere as an artist but he was involved in the music game for quite some time a native of richmond virginia as we all know compete in the amateur night in competition on the apollo in 91 and then he moved to new york city afterwards he had been involved with a few people actually had a brief tenure as a member of a hip-hop group called intelligent deadly but unique so he was actually in a hip-hop group for some time then he signed a deal with emi music in 91 and got some attention by getting a demo tape out there and then signed a recording contract and started writing songs for people. And one of the biggest successes that he had was in 1994. He was a co-writer and co-producer of the song that you know from by Black Men United, You Will Know, which was on the Jason Lyric soundtrack. You know, we all know that song and remember that song from that movie and then also the video with all the people. It seemed like almost everybody that you could think about, like every black male R&B <laughs> singer <laughs> that we all kind of grew right. up on was on that song. And <laughs> not even so much. That, I mean, yeah, that too. But like that, that whole the soundtrack for that joint was like, well, no, I can't say like just that soundtrack, but like just that and between that and like the panther soundtrack i think they're like every relevant artist that was out of that time on it because yeah. like you remember like freedom it was a female um, yeah freedom freedom drink and then yeah. the points which just like you know was just like just yeah ridiculous done, track you know like, <laughs> the points so was like a between those, yeah <laughs> yeah like but between them three between those three tracks like you seen like everybody that was relevant at the time was on, on those, those tracks. songs so yeah. like yeah it just really takes you back to 95 man like yeah good times man 
Good times. That's when soundtracks were popping, man. I know we got to do, we definitely have to do uh, Cards, Dominoes, Drinks, and Smoke on soundtracks and the way that they used to be and how they sort of faded from obscurity, man. Like people aren't making mu- music for movies anymore, you know? That yeah. back then you used to make songs and those songs used to be for those movies and they would be right. fire songs, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And You Will Know was one of them and he was a co writer and co producer of that song. We're talking about people like Brian McKnight. Usher, R. Kelly, Boyz to Men, Raphael Sadiq, Gerald Levert, Christopher Williams were all on You Will Know. At that point, he started to uh, develop and emerge, and he started working on this debut album, which became Brown Sugar. Also, as a part of this album was also Angie Stone, who co-wrote the third track on here, Jones and My Bones, who Angie Stone where they had a music relationship and also had a relationship that produced a child. They had a child together, Angie Stone and D'Angelo. One of the big things and the great things about this album is that a lot of the different development for this album came out of his love for music and being able to play many different instruments. Having being able to play the piano, play different keyboards, and also being able to play guitar, bass guitar, and then working with a lot of different producers like Bob Power, working with Rafael Sadiq, Ali Shaheen Muhammad, he really had a sound that he was trying to develop with coming in on this. So, Absolutely. you know, it, it really... De- made an opportunity for there to be able to respark the R&B genre because as Keeter Massenberg sort of talked about what he was trying to accomplish with Neo Soul is that he felt like R&B music was starting to die off a little bit as R&B started to transition more into a fusion with hip hop that you know some things that were present in R&B before and soul music before were starting to go to the background so he wanted to bring some of that back and bringing in artists like D'Angelo, Erica Badu also working with India Ari, also working with eventually artists like Joe Scott and music, you started to see this genre, this subgenre of Neo Soul start to develop where it was different than just the popular R&B because it had something a little bit deeper than music. The way that the music was produced, the sound that the music had, the feel that it had just made Neo Soul this phenomenon that developed into the late 90s, into the early 2000s. I was saying that's crazy to like say even like when you think back to like the '90s, how we always not nostalgic to the way, not to where we think everything was perfect back then, but just like to think like back in the mid '90s, where you feel certain things about the music were already falling off. Like yeah, you know, like I mean, yeah, you had your popular R&B, like your Joe to see your R. Kelly, you know, what I mean, like those type of artists. But then like to think even within that, something was missing from it, and then for them to really push this neo soul sound, like it's just amazing to have that thought process back then, and like just to see the results it produced was just like wow like you know what i'm saying really paid off to really push this subgenre of the music yeah yeah no it is and from this you had a lot of different other genres start to come out and albums start to come out you saw people like maxwell start to come out erica badu like we talked about earlier music soul child jill scott india Ari, Bilal, floetry <laughs> i mean right. you know vivian green eric benet all people who were all considered neo soul artists you Heather, know, Heather Headley, like, you know what I mean? Like, Heather Headley, exactly. <laughs> like, all these things, Dwelly, all these people that started Rashawn Patterson. I could keep going, naming on and on and on. Yeah, it's pretty, almost, much, pretty much everybody you see on BT's Midnight Love. Yes. Like that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I haven't seen a subgenre really take on something like that probably even since New Jack Swing, you know, where people really grabbed onto a subgenre of a music and really took that niche and it took off almost to the point where I don't want to say it 
surpass popular R&B, but Neo Soul fans are some of the most loyal fans out there of any other subgenre of music that I know. And Absolutely. this really kind of started it, you know? So we're going to go into Brown Sugar just about as far like what we thought about it initially when we first listened to the album and how we felt listening to it earlier on this week. Now, Jay, I've read a lot of different perspectives. There's been a lot of uh, reviews and look a lot of people who took a look back at Brown Sugar as it turned 25 this week and have seen the perspective. Some other podcasters have done some done some other reviews, particularly my boy 12 Cow. Shout out to 12 Cow who did a review for Brown Sugar this week. It turned 25 and it was a great review. But I've seen a lot of different things come up about this. And I always sort of get to talk about how this is how that Neo Soul thing sort of started. But even back then, we didn't even know that's what we were listening to. We were just listening to something that it was just like, wow, we hadn't heard anything. But just sort of get your reaction of when you first started listening to this album, the tracks from this album, and then what you thought of what you think about it in your time since then, and then listening to it this week, what you still, what you think now that it's been 25 years later. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, we saw it in 1995. I was in, I was in junior high school, like ninth grade, you know, and the joint Brown Sugar was blowing up everywhere. So, I mean, even though I, I didn't really have like a refined palette per se for R&B, like, you know, I noticed it, I knew it was something different that was already out there. So listening to that and then Lady and then um, Cruising, it just had like a different, it just had like a different vibe to it than, you know, what was already out there and popular at the time. And you know what I'm saying it didn't come across like corny, like open toe sandals, like all this stuff <laughs> that you would associate with somebody that is not really versed with it. But, you know, it still had like a cool vibe to it. Everything worked. And him being a musician, good vocals, just D'Angelo being an all around talent. So I'm not going to lie, I didn't buy the album back then because I didn't mind for him at 14. I really wasn't that hard on R&B, not hard, not hard, but not into it. But I was, I was to a cash that maybe like older folks had it. But going back and listening to it now, I mean, I think the whole album was a vibe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, it was just like really consistent as far as like what D'Angelo had to offer, and then you know along with that, I mean, with the last track, you know what I mean on there, like you know he was just like it just like it just showed he had something to offer for everybody on there, like you know, yeah, I mean because actually so when yeah the joint higher, so like the joint higher, like you know you had like a lot of older people vibing to that too, as far as like you know that gospel sound to it and giving yeah. praise to the Most High and everything like that. So mm-hmm. all together, I just feel it was a solid release, and you know it just like really consistently hit you with that vibe and that mission that D'Angelo was trying to put out with us. I just thought it was job well done. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And so I think I felt the same way. So when I came out, I was pretty much around the same time. I was still in junior high. And to me, when I listened to it, I didn't buy this album. My sister did. And I think I took it and then I never gave it back to her <laughs> because Typical brother, sister yeah, and you know, so I just went ahead and I took the CD and I put it in. I remember like I, from seeing the, the video on the first video that we saw was that video of Brown Sugar, him getting in the elevator with the old head, the old heads talking about some man. I ain't talking about the Brown Sugar you cook with young blood. I'm talking about that good Real, Brown Sugar, your woman. Sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then he's in there and he's playing in the club. He sits down at the keyboard or the piano and starts playing. And, you know, you can see some smoke in the air. And, like, Mm -hmm. you see Ali Shaheen Muhammad sitting there, you know, playing an instrument and stuff like that. He's in this club. And it's like, you know, it really had this sort of like that feeling of like you being like in a jazz club. But it felt different because it wasn't traditional jazz like my father. It felt Almost like, hip hop in a, in a sense, you know. Yeah, like more modernized. More so. modernized, and so that was the first thing that drew me into D'Angelo. And then as the album started, it came out when I first heard it. That's when Cruising came out as a single, and this is a Cruising, of course, is a remake of a song by Smokey Robinson, famously enough. 
and this was a remake. And really, this had been the first time I had heard cruising at length from somebody else who decided to redo it. And I decided to get into the album and I gave it a gave it a listen. Now, even back then, as you mentioned, my R&B palette wasn't as finely tuned, but I was into some R&B and I loved all different kinds of music. And when I listened to it, I was like, okay, if I'm listening to any other R&B music, I can't listen to anything, anything else for a while because this joint is dope. Again, it just had the feeling to it. Like you feel soul, right? Like you see the different influences with D'Angelo. It was soul. You heard jazz. You heard R&B. You heard influences from Jimi Hendrix, from Prince, a little bit of Curtis Mayfield, influences from Miles Davis and from John Coltrane to Joshua Redman and so many different other things sort of fusing themselves into it. And then D'Angelo looked hip hop as fuck. Like here was this yeah. dude with, with these cornrows and a leather jacket, you know what I'm saying? About as cool as you want to be with a real chilled out vibe. And it was just like, damn, yo, this is like, this is really different than listening to Jodeci or listening to Christopher Williams or listening to Keith Sweat or any other R&B act you could think about from the late 80s into the early 90s. It was just like, literally like, oh, let's just sit down and have a drink with this. And I wasn't drinking back then, but it was like, sit down and chill. Like, just literally something that had you on chill. That's what the album brought to me. You imagine like listening to it on radio. I mean, even like my my young 14-year-old minded back then, like, it was just like, you just like zone out. You know what I mean? Like Zone out. And then just like look at the clouds in the sky. Just enjoy like the breeze coming through the car or something like that. You know, the Mm -hmm. window down, like. Or yeah. just enjoy the night air, or whatever the case may be, on your porch or whatever. It's just like, like I said, it was just it was, the whole thing was just a vibe, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, man, it's it, business with this one. Indeed, the thing that I like to pe- the point to with this in the time that has passed, this is the album that made me a D'Angelo fan. And when he was gone for a period of time, it was sort of like something was missing, and you sort of get filled in with stuff with like with Badu and with Maxwell. And with different other, you know, so, you know, India Ari, who sort of came along in that time. But then when he came back, you sort of got that feeling again. And again, it was just sort of like this fusion of stuff that sort of came through. And it was like this feeling that you sort of get with D'Angelo's music that you don't get with all types of music. And that's, that's the thing to me. And it was about the musicians that worked on this, the producers that worked on this, D'Angelo writing and being able to play so many different instruments. And when he did the demo to this, he did it and recorded the demo because he wanted EMI to let him produce and run the album himself. He did it on a four-track recorder at his, in, his, in, his, in his apartment or in his place at home. And he did everything at the demo to say, like, see, this is what I can do. This is the type of stuff I'm capable of being able to produce. On a four-track recorder. <laughs> can, you let me, can you let me run with this? And then when EMI did this, then they'd be able to give him the ability to go and run these studio sessions to be able to write everything himself to work with the producers he wanted to work with to create this sound. And even now, 25 years later, we look at this and I listened to it again this week and I haven't listened to it too much because quite honestly, and I've said this, out of all the albums that D'Angelo's done, I think he's three for three, by the way. I think that he's dropped three albums and he's had three classics. But to me, my favorite by far is Voodoo. And I think that me personally, I feel a certain way about voodoo because voodoo to me, not just musically, but spiritually, it touches me in a different type of way because I felt the transition and the journey he had went through from brown sugar to voodoo. 
But nonetheless, he had to start somewhere. And this was really the start of a musical journey that really not only sparked a movement, but sparked his musical growth as an artist. And it really, to me, I haven't really seen a development of an R&B artist who delves in so many different instruments and also being able to write all of his songs himself that it just kind of blew me away. It really did. And he collaborated and featured on a lot of different people's uh, projects in between then. And after that time, you sort of set him as the gold standard. And really, he was up there. He's the one who helped to kick this thing off. But, you know, listening to it now, 25 years later, I'm listening. And it's really, like you said, still a vibe. I was listening to it in the car on the way to go run some errands. And it was almost like, damn, I got to stop this joint and I'll go inside the store. And, right. <laughs> you know, I wanted to stay in the car and just keep listening to it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's an easy listen. It's only 53 minutes long. And it doesn't seem like it's that long. That's the tale of good music when you sort of get on the journey and it's just like, damn, this joint over already? Like, how long was I sitting here? You know? Right. And so then, And you still wanted more, you know what I mean? Like, matter mm-hmm. of fact, like, I want, like, looking back on I kind of like I, I kind of think he like took from Nas's playbook in that sense because you know Illmatic was on like 10 tracks you know what I'm saying like yeah and by the end of that journey you pretty much felt like a musical fiend like you wanted more after that like mm-hmm. exactly like, leave us like this so yeah you know props to the Angel for doing that too you know what I'm saying because they always say like leave the people wanting more yeah exactly right so yeah as I, I kind of want to go through to you know just since it's such a, it's such a slow album or such a short album I kind of want to go through track by track to sort of get like some some feedback of course of what we went through now the title track is brown sugar written by d'angelo and ali shahi muhammad produced by d'angelo and ali shahi muhammad d'angelo did all the vocals all the vocal arrangements all the musical arrangements and uh, ali shahi muhammad did some of the drum programming that happened but this was the lead single and this is an album that is just so smooth i mean as soon as you hear that that piano come in that keyboard come in it's like you can identify the song immediately do 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 yeah it's just like <laughs> it's just really a smooth song now for the longest while we I, I thought that this track he was talking about a woman that he nicknamed her brown sugar right <laughs> and and, tw- and kyle said this in this podcast too a lot of us did and it wasn't until later that we figured out that the song wasn't about a woman it's about weed the telltale signs were there the whole time but at 13 and 14 years old our minds couldn't necessarily know and conceive that he was talking about weed. He was talking, I mean, that he was, though we thought he was talking about a woman. Why wouldn't you be talking about a woman, right? Well, I got to say, like, the circle I was around back then, they kind of put me on back then around, like, you oh, know, okay. Like, they were like, Dude, you know, he's talking about a blunt, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes like sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he said, enjoy, like, I met her in Philly, and her name's Brown Sugar right there. First clue, Philly Blunts. And Philly he was Blunts, like, yeah. We've been making love constantly. That's what my eyes are shaved. Blood, blood burgundy. burgundy. Yep. And then the other joint was like, she even got a little sister by the name of Chocolate, Chocolate Tide. Like, yes. Yeah, skin of caramel <laughs> with the cocoa eyes. Even got his mm-hmm. sister by the name of Chocolate Tide. Yeah. It's like I said, that, they, my circle put me on early to that. Show. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So I'm thinking like, this man, like, this almost, this almost like Rick James of the 90s or like something. Like Mary Jane, exactly. It's like an ode to, like an ode to Mary Jane. Rick James was talking about weed and marijuana his song, Mary Jane. D'Angelo was doing the same thing 15, 20 years later with Brown Sugar. You know, <laughs> and plus, and plus, like you know, what I'm saying, like you gotta remember about 1995, which people don't realize, or maybe goes over people's heads. Like that was a year for weed anthems. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like because you had like the brown sugar joint, you had how high, you had yeah. I got five on, I it. got five on it. Um, yeah, there's a couple <laughs> other joints too. So like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that was like okay, it's like you wanted to, if you wanted to express a weed song, I'm saying 95 was a year to do it. Yeah, 
there was another there was another group that put out a song about weed which I cannot stand, but we're going to leave that on another podcast. I'm just going to oh. not even go there. Anybody in my circle knows who I'm talking about. And oh, I yeah. I stay in this group. Nah, that was 96 that came out, man. That was the next year, though. So I feel you. I feel Thank you. I, I, know, I know who you're talking about. I'm not going to say their name because I, <laughs> I should mess with you, though, because I know exactly who you're talking about, though. Oh, hey, but I like geez. that joint, though. But anyway, that's for another that's for another podcast. <laughs> but just like the baseline in that joint and then the vocal arrangements, you hear like the, like the first time you hear somebody doing like the damn, like it's almost like, him sort of taking off of what Ray Charles did, right? Doing all the vocal arrangements yourself, everything from the baritone parts to the tenor parts and everything to falsettos. And like he did all that, all that was him. Like he did all those vocals were all him, which is crazy, right? And that just that bass line and that track just still kind of rides even to this day. Like it literally feels like you like got that lounge feel, like you sitting there sitting in a lounge and watching like a five piece band, a trio or something, just sitting there just sort of playing and just vibing out and jamming. So you gotta got kind of got that feel from it as well. The number track number two is All Right, which was written by D'Angelo and produced by D'Angelo and Bob Power, which was a nice little switch up from there. And that beat to me it sounded a little bit more hip hop more than anything else because the drum programming on there sounded like you had that drum break in there, and mm-hmm. it sounded more so like a hip hop track. But you know, again, another great track as well. I know what you thought of, whether you thought that was that was cool or what you thought about All, All Right as the second track right after Brown Sugar. Yeah, I mean, I felt like, you know what I'm saying, it was like a nice little like, like nice little transition, you know what I mean, like as far as that. And um, mm-hmm. that was another thing I kind of noticed in G- D'Angelo's music as far as like, you know, it's kind of like a sampler's dream, you know what I'm saying? Like these yeah. you know, soul sounds. Um, it's a couple, it's like another journey in here. And like, I guess we get to it, we get to it as far as like the um the track and how like I was listening to a joint. I'm like, yeah, I need to loop that joint. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, so long with it being a vibe, I mean, it just like, it just like, it just goes back to my point. This joint has so much to offer. So, um, it does. Yeah, I feel all right. It was a nice little transition. And then after that, John's and my bonds, like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that one, I just like how that joint flowed and like, it just like, I'm sitting in the living room listening to it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I feel like I need to go out for a drive right now. With like, yeah. uh, even it was blazing hot outside right now. I just, like, yeah. you know what I'm just like, felt like, um, like it just felt like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need to be like just cruising, listening to this joint. So, yeah, 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 like Jones and My Bones, written by D'Angelo and Angie Stone. So he he did that one. They wrote that, and you know, it isn't like the most complex song out there, but the feel to it, especially that guitar, guitar again by Bob Power. That little doom, 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 and the, just the the other instruments that are sort of involved in that. It was just like, yo, man, like this is this is just wow. Like again, the sound that you were hearing, like the instruments, like the the things that you were hearing and sound you were coming from instruments were things that you hadn't heard before. Guitar licks and chords that you hadn't heard before, right. and you got that. Like in Jones and My Bones, you go right to me and my those dreaming eyes of mine which was another great track with a great remix to it, by, by the way, as well. Not on this album, but Eric Sermon did a remix to this. I was telling Jay about it before we got on the air where that was produced by Eric Sermon using the beat to I Used to Love Her by Common. And it's almost just like, yo, it's like a hip-hop dream that you could take something like this and put it to a hip-hop beat and it still go. You know, me and those Dreaming Eyes of Mine were a great, a great, great track. And that guitar at the bridge, which was done by Bob Power, that I was just like, oh my goodness, let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Like you had to be in the guitar playing, like really get that this man was doing his thing. Like that's how you know, like that's how you know somebody's like really bringing it. But yeah, exactly. 
And then, you know, that was a that was a really, really cool track though, man. But and that was like one of the last singles that came out from this album, actually, was me and those dreaming Azamans. Then the fifth track, Jay, <laughs> is probably the most <laughs> interesting track on there. Yeah. yeah shit. Um, shit damn motherfucker. Damn motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a track yeah, about the air. Yeah, I mean, aside from like the beat being smooth as it was brought, just like the lyrics of it, like mm-hmm. this man going through transition as far as like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Catching somebody, catching this chick cheating on him, mm-hmm. up in the blick on him. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm in handcuffs. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like it's, it was something that took you through a journey. It's like he went through disbelief to denial to anger. It's like he sort of went through the five, the six stages of grief, right? Or the five stages of grief that you kind of go through, that you go through. <laughs> he went through disbelief, then went through denial, then went through anger, then went through bargaining, and then finally went through acceptance, acceptance. that he's just finally going to have to kill these motherfuckers and <laughs> he's going to have to go to jail for it. You know? Like, and another thing, yeah. Clearly, this man's Richmond side came out on this track. So yeah, I mean, exactly. You're <laughs> right. That's 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 exactly what came out. And what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I remember Jay, and I know you remember this from the movie The Best Man, is that when Lance stepped into the bedroom to read about the passage that made him realize that Harper had had sex with his wife so many years ago and never told him about it, that this was the song that was playing when he was reading it. (laughs) (laughs) And as the angrier he's getting as he's reading it, you see the screen start to turn red. It's exactly the same thoughts that D'Angelo probably had that he had. And he's like, damn, now I got to go out here and whoop this motherfucker's ass. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I thought it was interesting by the movie, by the movie producers and the film folks to use that track during the time when he finally was revealed that this is what the hell had happened so many years ago, that they chose this song. <laughs> well played. Well played. Well played. <laughs> well played. Another just smooth track, those Wurlitzers and those organs, man, those hammer, Hammond organs. I was reading in one of the articles that, you know, one of the b- good things about this album is that they allow like Wurlitzer pianos and Fender Rhodes and Hammond organs, things that D'Angelo all wanted, those sounds, because he wanted that sound for his album. And he was sort of disappointed when the album was first finished because he wanted it to have a certain way. He wanted it to sound more organic. But when they took it to the studio and redid it, he said it sounded a little too smooth. So, you know, but he was happy overall, overall with the content. Speaking of smooth, that's the track yeah. after Shit Damn Motherfucker, right. which is a song written by D'Angelo and his brother, Luther Archer, produced again by Bob Power. And this, to me, is one of the sleeper tracks on here that if you you pay attention to the singles, but this is one of the album cuts on here, I think is one of the biggest bright spots. Because, again, it literally feels like you're listening to a mix of a contemporary jazz, but a hip-hop track, because the drums are hip-hop, like distinctly yeah. hip-hop. And the rest of it is sort of like a contemporary jazz record, you know, from the guitars, the bass by Larry Grenadier, guitar by Malik Whitfield, drums by Gene Lake, and then D'Angelo on the piano and the keyboards. It's just like a bop. Like, you sort of just get it. And then the lyrics that he wrote to it and the hook is great. And um, the way that that song sort of broke up from the first verse to the bridges all the way into the end of the song. 
And it's like, that's one of the longest running songs of the album, but it's just like, damn, yo, this is a, ooh, this is a nice track, bro. Like, y'all, y'all mash this thing up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those drums being hip-hop, but everything else found it sounded so jazz-like, so soulful. I mean, I personally feel like it had, like, a little bit of a rougher sound to it, I guess, just, like, with the drums, but mm-hmm. that's what kind of threw me off in the title, you know what I mean? But, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, still, it's still everything worked. I mean, I guess like it says it's a smooth transition, like, blending those, which... Either way, work, but I mean, yeah, definitely like a sleeper journey on this album. So, and then after that is cruising, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest. <laughs> when I first heard this, when I first heard this track, and I also saw the video, the video which was a blue, black and white, which featured in the beginning of it had Angie Martinez, and he was in the studio, and he was there with the symphony, and the whole symphony was there. We're talking about strings and a whole symphony with timpani drums and everything. And this track goes on. And the first time I heard it on the radio, I loved it. And then actually when I got this album, I think I played this track more than any other album or any other track on the album. (laughs) And I'm going to say something that might be a bit sacrilegious, but bear with me. I actually like this version better than Smokey's. Oh, wow. That's just me. Now that's I know a, I come from, yeah. So now I come from a certain era. I understand that some people may not necessarily agree with me. Some may see it as sacrilegious or blasphemous, but I actually like this version better than Smokey's. I do, and I don't know. Maybe it's just my affinity for D'Angelo, but I do think though that the arrangements are to me is what I think I like better than Smokey's. Now all props due to Smokey Robinson. He's one of the best performers one of the best singer and songwriters of our time of any of our generations. But these arrangements that were, I mean, that really takes some talent to come up with being able to do arrangement. D'Angelo did musical arrangements, but then he also had any orchestra doing uh, conducting and also arranging was Dunn Pearson and also being another copyist was Eugene Bianco and then had plenty of talented musicians that worked on this. That took me to another place also was Ray Charles. That kind of took me back to when you saw the movie Ray and he was recording Georgia on my mind. He was in the studio with the choir and then had the whole symphony there there as well with strings and everything. Just sort of just speaks to like the the talent that this dude has, man. But just really a really laid back version of Cruising that Smokey did. And it was just really like about as good as a remake of a soul track as you could make. Absolutely. I mean, like just to put that much that much evidence, like, you know, with orchestra and all that. Like you were saying, man, it wasn't just like, you know, he just did all that. I mean, he really, like, put that much effort into his music as far as, like, you know, because, like, I'm not an R&B person. I don't know if I would have thought, like, you know, to do all of, do all of those things. But, mm-hmm. you know, especially for a remake, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. I mean, it just, it's just like, damn, dude, you really got talent. You need, you, yeah. you need more recognition than what you have or, yeah. or have gotten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then after that is when we get by, which is a nice little change up from there. But mm-hmm. this was another great one too, too as well, with great live instrumentation with D by D'Angelo, written by him and produced by him. Um, had a trumpet in there, which is near the end of the uh, the end of the track by uh, Bob Basie Brockman, which is a fa- one of my favorite parts of the track. At the end of that, the trumpet that sort of comes in that you hear, and I love any type of live brass that you hear on a track, though, man. But this was another great track as well. Very, very cool, interesting, and different from the other tracks in the fact that the tempo and the pacing of it is a little bit different. The the way he sung the track, the lyrics and everything is more, a little bit kind of more simplistic, but 
is a really, really cool track, though. This was mixed by Russell Elevato at Battery Studios and recorded at G-Spot at Battery Studios as well. Yeah, plus along with that, I mean, this is kind of what I was saying as far as, like, going back to, like, how I was saying about breaks. I mean, there was a nice little break beat at the end of that joint, too. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just felt it was banging, like... Okay. Like, even, like, now doing this conversation, like, I don't really need to sample that joint. I need mm-hmm. to, like... I'm yeah. probably going to jump on the joint, you know what I'm saying, and cook, like, try to figure out if I can come up with something else. And it wasn't even, like, you know, just, like, one little time I heard it and, like, just, like... You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like, you know what I'm saying? Like, James was like speaking like, Jason, use this, use this. Use this. <laughs> Indeed, man. But that's what good music There's does. The you heard this today. Yeah. But that's what good music does. It inspires you to create. It really does. And after that is Lady. And right. probably the most hip hop sounded track on here from those, you know, written by D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq and produced by, by D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq. And you really get that. Raphael influence on it from the instrumentation, the guitar, which Raphael is on the guitar with that guitar. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Raphael Sadiq is a bad dude, man. I he said is, this, man. I said this to Damo when we did the voodoo review earlier this, this year that this dude, I don't think he's really gotten his flowers from the industry yet, man. The amount of talent that, and the things that he has put forth, not just on the music that he's done, both with Tony, Tony tone and solo. But then, you know, also with Lucy Pearl and then yeah. other artists that he's written for and produced for. Like, this track, Lady, man, is really, really crazy, though. And it's like, it's a quintessential, like, yo, you gonna let your girl know that you hers and you're mine and, you know, ain't nobody else got this because I got this. And the track is just really hip-hop. It's that guitar. It's that bass that Raphael Sadiq plays as well. That piano that you sort of hear, which is played by Tim Christian. Then this track, man, the drum beat and everything is just real, real. And then you get that break that's in that that comes right right around there. And it's just like you hear that break of just that instrumental before he gets into that and that bridge before you get into that last part of the hook. And then it's just like, man, this this track rides. And then what rides almost just as much is the remix to this featuring A Z, you know, that's which was hard. produced. Yeah. Which which that's produced true. Yeah, which produced by Primo, by DJ Premier. Featuring AZ with a verse by AZ, and they came out with a video for that one as well. Now, if I count, I think there was now including cruising and the and this five videos just for one album, including remixes. You know what I'm saying? And and that's when people used to do videos a lot because you could blow a budget on a video. Like, yo, let's do it. Because what were we doing? We were sitting at home watching Rap City, watching video vibrations, watching video soul, watching the box, <laughs> ordering music, money, ordering uh, music videos from the box, paying like two dollars for a video, which was crazy. Sometimes even four dollars for a video, which is crazy, right? You know. I mean, but if, if you could time it just right, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it was like a real popular song, like you know. You had to pay for because they was on the like play the like about four times yeah. in a row. So exactly, <laughs> exactly like Crossroads. Like I never had to play for pay for Crossroads because everybody was playing that joint. Everybody was now, ordering Crossroads. Right, and then then I did pay for it once because my mom's let me do it. But like I did like Natural Born Killers, Doctor Dre and Ice Cube. Oh yeah, it was just yeah. I just had to hit. I just had to hit because that joint was just yeah. so vicious. To yeah, me, vicious. Know? Yeah, <laughs> and that was another joint. That, oh, how high? Like that joint. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, the meth. Yeah, right about that the weed angle, thing, yeah, so. weed angle exactly. And then the last track on here is higher, which is like you said, it's it's not necessarily a gospel song, but it takes you to church, right? Everybody yeah, that I think yeah. I've listened to talking about this song, this song takes you to church, and it's because you hear that organ and and the way that the song sounds, it just like reminds you of one of those old church songs and. You know, D'Angelo's father was a preacher. He grew up as a preacher. He's a preacher in the Richmond area. So he knew about church music because he used to play music in church. But this isn't necessarily a church song, but it's spiritual. And it takes you to church. 
you know, and it's almost like a different feel from everything else. Like you said, so much something else to offer. And then this is the last track that he ends this out on where you get that feeling. Like it almost feels like literally like you're in church and and this is the choir offering up an offering up a selection <laughs> and the offering plates about to get passed. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's how I felt listening yeah. to this. Yeah, matter of fact, like it was a couple of reviews that I listened to on YouTube. Like I went to the comment section, you hear people like older people like around I could almost say old, like we decrepit or something like that, but like people mm-hmm. around like, you know, late thirties, like around our age, or whatever, like they're talking about like, you know, I let my my I asked my grandmother like about this album. She said, This is her favorite track on the album. So like, yeah. what you wouldn't think about like them listening to a D'Angelo album even back then, but like mm-hmm. but grandmothers they actually know this track higher off the album. Like one person said they had lost their grandma, but it was thinking about how they were saying like that's their favorite track and apparently this person never listened to higher until after she passed, he was like, Wow, like Yeah. It's with the album and I could see why she loved the song why so much. So yeah. It was just it's like damn, like you know, he really just put like this. So this is the thing. This is the one that made me say like, well, he really put it put it out for everybody. Like yeah. drawing off that church background and his father being a preacher and everything like that. So it was just, I guess, it was just right that he just put this on there too. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it just like you said, it takes you to church. By the time you're done and over with, it's like you don't felt like you're like the the service is over with, and then you've been closed out service and. It's almost like get ready to say the get ready to say the benediction, you know, <laughs> and send everybody home, man. And you could see the influence this album had with some folks later on. This last track on this album reminds me a lot like the last track on Music Soul Child's I Just Want to Sing, which is called Be All Right, because it also sounds like a church track, like a gospel track. Like it sort of does that same thing. It takes you to church. And I said that to somebody when they were talking about hire. I said, yeah, I said, you know, music did a similar thing. I just want to sing. He made his last track a sort of gospel type of track. And, you know, great way to be able to close out the album, man. But but that's higher, man. And that's 10 tracks. No filler, no skips for me. You know, just a really great quality music. If I had to pick a track on here, which was my favorite, I guess my favorite track on here would definitely have to be cru- cruising. But right behind it would definitely be smooth. That that's it for me. Well, what about you? What say you? Your favorite ones on here? In no particular order. I mean, of course, all these joints. Right. I mean, I, I was definitely rocking with Lady, mm-hmm. even the original joint when I heard it. But then, like, I heard the um, the joint that Primo did ninety like early ninety six with AZ. I was like, damn, like mm-hmm. he made it go that much harder. Then, well, along with that, I would say Cruise, and then just as soon as like shit, damn motherfucker, just because yeah. the storytelling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just thought that was like real cool and yeah. Of course, Brown Sugar. You know, what I mean, like that's just gonna be up there. So of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's not nothing against the other tracks on there, and then of course as a more recently smooth because of that that potential break beat I might use later on. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but um, okay, but yeah, like <laughs> so I have to email you that one later too, decide on what I do with it. But yeah, so true. Like those are the yeah. ones that really stand out to me as far as like tracks off this um this album. Indeed, man, this is a, a album like you said reminds you a lot in the way that just like with Illmatic, um, just like with an album I did a couple of weeks ago, let the rhythm hit them. It just ten tracks. There's not really a whole lot of filler here, and you find you get a point where like this is an efficient album. There's no waste. You feel as though every single second that you've listened to has been a second well spent. You know that's the way I sort of feel about that. So now we'll get into the whole test and to see whether or not. I mean, I think it's a without a doubt a certified classic because to me, without this, you're not going to get a lot of different of the neo soul classics you had later on. Because if without it, neo without this, I don't think neo soul would have been a thing. Like, if Kedar hadn't worked with D'Angelo and D'Angelo hadn't created this sound, 
there would have been a lot of different people, not necessarily within his contemporaries like Badu and Jill Scott and, and India Ari, but I think the folks that came after, like the Dwellies and the, mm-hmm. the Floetries and, you know, the Rashawn Pattersons and the Balaos, is that, you know, this kind of opened up the door to make it okay to make this kind of music. And not only that, but man, this shit still goes 25 years later, bro. Like, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> this is still a vibe 25 years, man. So I'm guessing you feel the same way, but what say you? Classic, man. All classic through and through. Like, and I think, which I think, like, the thing that really kind of like solidifies as a classic, like, is I would say all together, like, R&B, I don't want to say it fell off, but like just the fact like, you know, it really hasn't gotten the same attention it did in the past and the stuff that really has gotten attention, honestly, like really, I think we can both agree it's kind of lackluster. Yeah, it is. And and then like, you know, the stuff that that is a vibe or whatever that I, I would probably say came from like, you know, that was birthed from DeAngelo, like say like a, a Her or I don't know if it's Her or H-E-R or SZA, like one mm, of them, like, yeah. you know, they really don't get much like radio play or, or get much attention, so it just like really like range true as far as like how dope the album is, especially like when you're looking for that vibe, you know. Yeah. You know, especially like you know us, you know, like those are like I don't know if you want to say grown and sexy, but just like young adults. Like I mean, especially like some of us pushing forties now, and like the journey is still a vibe. Like yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like honestly, I probably wouldn't have if this type of music had been like popular when I was in my early twenties. I probably wouldn't have been a homebody so much. Like you know, like the journey. Um, because it kind of puts me like that song. Like um, was it? They grew coffee brown. Don't like the, don't let the party stop. I think it's yeah, called yeah. Like, after party. Coffee drink, brown the after, after party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After party. Yes. Yeah. So like yeah. if those are just if them drinks have been popular, like you know if there was like spots you can go chill to some type of music. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Me personally, I think I'd probably been out and about more. Like you know, like hanging in certain spots or whatever. But yeah, yeah. man. I mean, just like just shows like good music is timeless. It just I put up there in terms like drinks you can rock with almost well two and a half decades later. In some cases, yeah. like three decades later. Like that's up there with like. Illmatic or Thirty Six Chambers or The Chronic or something like that, yeah. like yeah, you know what I'm saying. So indeed, and and to me, through. yeah, and it, it seems like yo, to be honest, man, he was on Miseducation, and I think the development she had a talent always to sing, but I think the development of Neo Soul is kind of what made took Miseducation from being what I think not just being a hip hop album, but really being a fusion of hip hop and something like Neo Soul because. People consider Miseducation a Neo Soul album, and for all reasons. Heck, there's a song on there with Lauren and D'Angelo, Nothing Even Matters, is a song that's on there. It was one of my favorite Neo Soul songs of all time, you know? Yeah, Um, that's a vibe all in itself. Exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, this is the one that started it all, man. So this we have a lot to think about in the Neo Soul genre, which we're going to do uh, Cards, Dominoes, Drinks, and Smoke later on and talk about the Neo Soul genre and where it's gone and, you know, what we miss about it the most nowadays that it's not as visible in today's music climate, at least amongst the main airwaves um, and mainstream population and distribution that it was as it was 15, 20 years ago. There we are, D'Angelo's Brown Sugar, released in 1995, 25 years ago. Again, please make sure you go and listen to this album if you have not already. To me, I think it's one of the best debut albums that a R&B artist or artist period could come out with because it still rides even now today, 25 years later, D'Angelo's Brown Sugar. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. 
please make sure you check us out on our new host, Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming platforms. You go to any one of our social media sites, you can get there on our bio. Our link tree has all of our streaming sources, including our host, Red Circle, and all the regular streaming sources, and then also all of our social media channels you can get to as well. You can get to us on Twitter at, at Vault Classic, on Instagram at, at Vault CMR Podcast. That's at Vault CMR Podcast. You can also search on Facebook and YouTube, The Vault Classic Music Reviews, and you can like the page and subscribe to us on YouTube. We always place our episode up on our YouTube channel for distribution so you guys can check it out just in case you missed it. We always appreciate the support, and if you have a friend, tell a friend, and make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big. Because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate. Because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.